believe that the education system is falling apart. Now, I can agree with that to some extent, but I really think it depends on the area that the school exists. I've been, I've seen different educational you know, buildings in certain towns fall apart, but not maybe not the school. A few towns over, that one may be thriving, maybe doing well. Uh, scores are doing well, kids are doing well, funding's doing well, all that stuff. Teachers are, are you know, doing well. And there's a lot of things that end up uh, impacting that. But like I said, it goes back to the number one thing. Parent involvement doesn't impact the student's uh, achievement. And so um, do I think that all schools are, like the public system as a whole is falling apart? Mm, depends on what you're talking about. But if you look at it piece by piece, there's a lot of really good public schools. Now, I'm not saying public school is for everybody. Um, I enjoyed my time. I, I, I was listen to another podcast about homeschooled. I had the bad experience with homeschooling. I didn't have the good experience, so I don't know what that's like. But from friends that have been homeschooled, that were homeschooled their whole, whole lives and went on to college, they really enjoyed it and they appreciated it a lot. So I know it can be done well. I know it can be done correctly. I just didn't experience that. What I did experience was a good public school experience. So do I know, so from personal experience, I know that um, public school can be a good thing. Again, not all. If you look at the public system piece by piece, if, if, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I agree with school choice to some degree. I understand some of the, the issues with it, but I understand. But I don't think school choice is a bad thing inherently. Um, now, when, when when we look at each public school system, maybe there should be some some shrinking, or maybe there should be some more funding. And sometimes that helps. Sometimes it, either one of those doesn't. Everything kind of have to play it by ear. You know, you can't just assume that there's a one-size-fits-all for every public school system. Like, there was a school not far from us that has been, uh, that had been threatened to be shut down for years and years and years, and um, they started putting more funding in it, and then they got better teachers, and, and in their case, it helped a lot. But there was a community behind them that wanted it. Now, there are some communities that you go to, the, the people don't necessarily they're not necessarily involved with the kids like maybe that community was and uh, and that funding really wouldn't help uh, so it may be better just to put those kids in a better school system move those kids from a bad school system into a better school system so when, when you look at public school systems it really depends you got to go piece by piece like is this one can we do it this way to fix this it's not a one it's not just throw money at it and it'll work sometimes it's make the school smaller maybe make Bet the teacher a little harder, give them maybe, or give them more um, rewards. Uh, you know, not everything can just be done like a blanket, blanket fix all. It has to be done piece by piece. Now, when it comes to specifically ed- specifically educating children, um, so, so my degree is in elementary education, so I dealt mostly with kids from. Uh, K through sixth grade, most I stayed in third and fifth grade the most throughout my educational process to, to get my degree. Uh, but when it comes to educating children, um, it seems like, especially nowadays, you know, there's a lot of visual uh, things they have access to, so like their phones or their, their video games. Like, I mean, most of the kids I work with now are super into Fortnite. Um, it's a super visual game. If you don't know what it is. It's, very colorful. They're building things to attack each other. There's always something new for it. It's, it's ridiculous. I never got into it, but um, 
so the kids being very visual, they need, it seems, especially these days, uh, working with children, they need things to be visual. Um, kids, children still like to read. When I was in a third grade classroom, the kids were super excited to be able to get on this thing called Epic Books. Uh, the Epic Books allowed them to access any book they want, or just about any topic they wanted to at least. Uh, they would type in sharks, and then they would have, they would be curated a ton of books that they could go through, and it would just be about sharks. And it was all on the computer. They would flip the pages um, on the computer and all that stuff. So it was a really good way to get them interested in reading. Um, not all kids, some kids really like paper still. Uh, it really depends, but having that option to give them books online is really important, I think. Uh, but anyway, so when it comes to visual teaching, you have, using a lot of visuals is really helpful. Um, lecture style is not good for little kids. It's really not that great for older old teenagers or middle schoolers or whatever. Um, visual teaching is always the better option when it comes to teaching kids. Um, there's a lot more retention there, right? So you, you, you probably remember an image better than if I just, some people may be able to do this, but if I put a bunch of numbers on a page, you, you, you probably have a harder time remembering it than if I use maybe pictures to represent these numbers. Um, something that we had to learn about uh, one year of my, uh, at William Carey was about manipulative teaching. So was, we got this bag, it had a bunch of manipulatives in it, and uh, you would use like little blocks or circles or little disks, and you'd use these disks to teach the kids, or the blocks or whatever, to teach the kids how to do multiplication, division, all these things, the addition, subtraction, all these things. So certain blocks, certain colors would represent you know, addition or subtraction or multiplication or division, and then you would teach them how to use those things. So using visuals is really important in teaching a child how to uh, learn. Right? So I have a nephew, and he loves rockets so, so much. I want to get him on my podcast at some point, but to talk about his rocket love, he's only, uh, I think he's about to turn four this year. And anyway, so he loves rockets, and he loves he loves reading these books about rockets, and sometimes these ro- rocket books have little fill in the blanks, and he'll have to write numbers in or whatever, and what gets him interested in doing that is the rocket ships. Alright, so if you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up, he'll say he wants to be an aerospace engineer, three years old, and then I asked him why he wanted to do that, and, or whatever, and he said, I want to make my parents proud, and I was like, goodness gracious, this little boy's too smart, and it's because he's had those things, he's had things to be interested in, that's what we want to get, visual interest is what we want to give uh, students, so that they can learn more effectively, right? So I don't want to just lecture at everybody. I want to figure out what are some interests and loves of these students and move these loves and interests into what we're learning. So if we're having to do a unit on history, maybe I want to look at, uh, and the the class, the majority of the class maybe, or if I can individually tailor it too, but if they have like uh, an interest in rockets, then maybe I'd find some kind of historical event that kind of matches in with a standard that that the students can read about so that one of their rocket ship interests is introduced into the historical context. Now I'm teaching English, so maybe it would be about uh, being able to write about the history of rockets for that kid or write about why rockets worked or why why one failed or one didn't fail, things like that. Like cause them, give them something they're, give them something that they're interested in and push them to be uh, researchers and scientists on their own. Right? So that's that's what we're doing. We're, we're creating critical thinkers. We're helping them realize this interest that you have it starts now. If you're interested in, in this field, like my nephew, if he's interested in aerospace engineering, he needs to start you know, moving towards that. And 
now. Like it'll, it'll be more beneficial for him to figure it out now than it would be if he figured it out two years before he graduates high school. Uh, we want to we want to encourage those interests. Um, not not all child. No, no child is made the same. Like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted to do a billion different things, and as an adult, I still want to do a billion different things. Uh, but I, I fell into teaching, um, which is awesome. I'll say that now. I love teaching kids, uh, and I definitely feel like I was built for it. And some people are built for different things. So what are, what are we trying to do? We're trying to help the kids figure out what their interests are, what they're built for, and help encourage it through the school years. Uh, we, we don't want to just lecture at them. That doesn't cause any creativity. It doesn't really encourage those interests that they may already have. All right, and that's why I think so many people in the past have probably you know, got close to graduation and had no clue what they wanted to do. It's because they weren't really exposed to it. Um, when, I, when I've got closer to... Uh, graduating, I thought I was going to be a doctor or work some way in the medical field, and that was because I had a small amount of encouragement from a class that I got handpicked for. It was called Allied Health in my high school, and it was literally just about the medical field. And so I, I was encouraged towards that, but then that's not what I ended up wanting to really do when I got there. Like I knew I wanted to work with kids, and I assumed I wanted to be a family doctor because of that. Well, when I get when I actually got to graduation, I started moving towards teaching because I started realizing that what made the biggest impact on my life was the teachers that were involved, the ones that, you know, like Miss Morgan and Miss um, Obey and Coach Jackson and uh, Miss Candace. They were the ones that really uh, helped me and encouraged me. And, and um, you know, I, I appreciated the most, and they kind of pushed me. Looking at them really pushed me towards um, being a teacher. And so... I had that encouragement there, but not all kids have maybe have that encouragement. You know, maybe they look at teaching and they're like, I don't want to do that. So what do we do? We go back to what are their what are their interests and how can we encourage those interests and how can we uh, move them from from elementary all the way through high school and keep them excited about it? Well, we have to introduce these topics to them. You know, we're not just there to lecture. Uh, we we want them to get the the foundational educational principles, but we also want them to grow in, in a field. We don't want students to just make it to high out of high school and then not know what they want to do. We want to help create an interest, create an atmosphere that encourages that interest or what they want to do with their lives and help them get to that goal. Sup, podcast listeners. Thanks for coming back. <clears throat> so, the school year is about to start and I am a first-year teacher. And because of that, people want to ask me about uh, how how do you know what schools are going to be teaching? Seems like it's a big topic right now because of you know CRT and other things. People are either worried or want it happening or whatever. But really, it boils down to the teacher. Um, schools can set a curriculum, but how I decide to teach that cur- curriculum can vary. I don't have to teach word for word whatever a book says. I can. I can manipulate some to make it work. So if you really just want to know how to, or what the t- schools are teaching, then you really need to get involved in individual teachers or get involved into a school. Because like I said, a teacher does not have to go off the script, or go directly off a script. There's things like teacher pay teacher and other things, and lots of teachers use these as resources to help them kind of navigate through the curriculum. Uh, so it's really not just one way of teaching a subject. So if you're concerned or you're or whatever, then the best way to find out what's going on is to be involved in the school. Uh, and then 
you know, be involved in, if you have children in school, be involved in what they're learning. I talked about this in another podcast episode that uh, students' outcomes are greatly improved by parent involvement anyway. So I encourage you, even if you don't care about that stuff, to just get involved with your kid because the outcomes that they have statistically are higher. They have better chances of better grades, better chances of, of success in school, better chances of succeeding outside of school if the parent has been involved in their education process. So parent involvement is super important when, in all facets of education. A lot of a lot of people are starting to move towards this whole uh, homeschooling situation just because some people are fearing what's going on, uh, but some of us don't have that time to homeschool, and that's understandable. So what is it that you need to do? You just need to be involved with your child's education. If you want to know what's going on, if you want your child to succeed, then the best way to do it is to just be involved with them. I am aware that not all teachers want to really be involved and help the parent, and that's why it is so much more urgent for the parent to be involved. We don't want to have... I can't think of a single educator that I had that was self-righteous, but I always hear about the ones that are on the news, or I hear about them, you know, whatever. They're always talking about that educator that decides to take over the parent's role. I don't know. I don't know. I don't personally know any educators like that, but I know from the news that they exist, and from all these other. I don't know. People are always talking about that. It seems like it's a big, it's a big uh, deal right now for sure. So, so what do you do? It literally, just like I said, it just goes back to parent involvement. Get involved in the school boards. Get involved in what the student, your child's learning. Get involved in getting to know. Those, those open houses, whenever the teachers open up their classrooms for the, 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 the parents to come and visit the classroom, go to those things. Don't just um, I mean, I, I, I trust but verify. I've been hearing that a lot lately. Trust but verify. Uh, trust that those teachers are going to do what they're supposed to do, but verify and go and actually meet the teacher. Um, you wouldn't, if you, most of the time, if you get a babysitter, you're probably not just going to trust whoever. You're going to try to want to bet them and stuff like that, right? You're so now, now you, you, you're, I mean, you're going to trust the schools or have vetted them, but you know something slipped through. So why don't you, as a parent or whatever, go and get to know the teacher, the educator, um, find out, you know, what their stances are on things, if those are some things you're concerned about, whatever it is. But be involved. Go. Don't just assume or trust without verification. Go find out yourself. If you want to be comfortable, if you don't want to be shocked later. You don't want your student to um, hear certain things that you think may be damaging to your child, then you should be involved. You need to go there and you need to uh, really understand what they're going to be learning. And the only way you can do that is if you're involved, if you get to know the teacher, if you're at the meetings, if you're at. I know all of this sounds like really difficult, but at least make, or at least look at your child's homework, what they're working through, try, try to you know, helping them with schoolwork. Whatever it is, reading through their material, that's really going to let you know what's going on in the classroom. Um, and, that, and that is important. Like I said, it, it all goes back to student achievement. If you really want your student to achieve well, if you don't want them, if you're worrying about indoctrination or something like that, then be involved. All these things can be um, vetted or, or filtered if you are involved in the student's education. And, and just by going to school boards, just by looking at their homework, helping them with homework, 
or just getting to know the teacher. Those are some steps you can take to uh, help your student or help your child in achievement and and if you're concerned about you know things going on right now, then that is one way or multiple some of the ways you can vet and filter and you know trust but verify. So I, I firmly believe that education is supposed to be a work between the parents and the teacher. Uh, the teacher is never supposed to usurp the the parent. Uh, the literal job of the teacher is just to help um, guide the student and move them, um, you know, to achievement. But they're not supposed to usurp the the parent. Right? We're not supposed to change beliefs of the child. You know, like it's supposed to create critical thinkers. Uh, I had a teacher that um, she was a very she had a very strong world a world view that was that I never would have known about until I graduated high school. And that's because she didn't she didn't push the the ideologues that she had. She pushed uh, critical thinking. So she gave us like I remember having a conversation with some student like or being around some students that I didn't really care in high school, but other students around me would talk about politics and all this other stuff, and they would be like, "Oh, I wonder what she is," and they would just go back and forth about. If they thought she was more liberal or more conservative or whatever, but um, she didn't teach that. She 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 was a history teacher, but she taught us how to critically think about the history that we we're reading about, and that's what the goal of the teacher is. The goal of the teacher is to create students to understand foundational educational principles, and then move them to be critical thinkers so they can make uh, discernments on their own. We're not supposed to indoctrinate those children, no matter what whichever way you're going. It's supposed to create critical thinkers, because critical thinkers are what's going to help them navigate ideologues and help them inter understand how to interact with people better. Uh, so the goal of a teacher is literally just to create critical thinkers and work with the parents to create critical thinkers. Uh, the parents, you, you don't want to go back and forth with parents. Uh, there's obvious things that that you should report if, if there's like abuse or something like that with a kid. That would be the only time you would try to separate that child from, from the parent. But other than that, there's no reason to try to go against a parent. Well, thank you for listening to uh, this podcast episode. I'm hoping to have um, different people come on and talk with me. I mean, if you heard something I said in this podcast episode and you want to push back, I am more than happy to, uh, I mean, discuss it with you at the very least, right? So that's the whole point of this podcast is that it's ironic. None of these millions of people have heard these discussions over and over and over and over, and it seems like they never end. Right? So it's ironic when we say, "I'm done with this conversation." The conversation doesn't end right there when you say it. it, it can, it's going to continue with somebody else, or you're probably going to have to continue continue that conversation with somebody else one day. So if you want to push back, if you want to discuss this topic or some other topic I may have went over with me, then then let me know. I'm, I'm fine with having some of these conversations uh, with different people. So and and, a, and I and I would love you know the growth myself. Um, so some things coming up, I want you to know about at least is that I am hoping to launch some new things at some point. I'm working on them. I'll give more details when I get closer to it. But that's something to get excited about. And I would like to start having uh, more people come onto this podcast and really just have conversations with them. Um, I have a few people lined up, and I think there's discussions that will be coming up. There's a, a couple debates coming up, and uh, just some other little discussions coming up that I think will be beneficial to whoever's listening. Uh, so thank you for listening to the End of the Discussion podcast. End of Discussion.